Hey, what's up, missionaries? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. And for months on end, you have heard me and Vince go on and on about all of the great podcasts that are available for your listening pleasure on thepodglomerate.com. So we figured we'd take a moment to tell you about just a few of them that you can find waiting for you on the website. You can check out Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. This weekly podcast provides a look into the lives of professional IndyCar drivers, reality television stars, and great friends, James Hinchcliffe and Alexander Rossi. Though Hinch and Rossi have seen plenty of success on the track, the show is meant to highlight their off-the-track lives, including their unfiltered opinion on what's trending in popular culture. Check out off track on Podglomerate. While you're there, you can also look into Rocket Ship FM, an easy to digest conversational interview that you can learn from, and it's prolific too. Don't take it from me, that was straight from Forbes magazine. This is essential listening for entrepreneurs, product managers, and anyone that is working in tech today. They offer breakdowns of all the concepts that you need to know from project management to growth sales to funding they bring you stories that will inspire and insights that will change the way you think about product and business they are featured in forbes entrepreneur and many more business publications as a top business podcast year after year and they're available for your listening pleasure right on thepodglomerate.com that's rocketship fm And one more for you to uh, sample while you're there. Two Girls, One Podcast. Two actors who perform the weird internet onstage dive into the deepest web wormholes with members of fringe online communities. Allie Goldberg, Jen Jamula have hilarious and very humanizing conversations with furries, ticklers, balloon fetishes, professional cuddlers, as well as adult diaper enthusiasts. Yes, I said adult diaper enthusiasts. Listen to Two Girls, One Podcast, Rocket Ship FM, and Off Track, just three of the many curated podcasts that are waiting for you, along with the Michelle Mission, on thepodglomerate.com. Again, to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. I'm your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays 8 to 10 p.m. on G-Town Radio, and I'm joined, as always, by... Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And on this episode, we are revisiting the 1950s. Woohoo! Sunday, Monday, happy days. Segregation, polio, Why, see. lynchings, see, see, see. sit at that lunch counter, get hoes, know your place, colored water fountains, happening all day with you. It's the Red Scare, ruining people's lives. Anyway. With Mark of the Hawk, a <laughs> 1957 film starring Sidney Poitier and Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt. Yes. Starring as two Africans in an unnamed African country who are dealing with this colonial African country striving and struggling to become a post-colonial African country. Yes, indeed. But before we get to that. As always, we have feedback, some, not a lot, some feedback. Okay. From some of our fans that like and follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, all at Michelle Mission, or who have fun with us in the Facebook group, such as why it's Vincent Williams. 
y- y- yes. Uh, it's also in the Michelle Mission, who posted about Terrence Nances, white people won't save you dot org. Oh yeah, and the yeah, never yeah. ending loop of white saviors on screen. Now, if I understand, this is like a a video. I think I saw it on like YouTube. Or yeah, we like talked that. about it. Yeah, yeah, like all the white saviors and mm-hmm. and everything. Now. You know, last week we reviewed an oversimplification of her beauty. Yes, Terrence we did. Nats, um, film debut. Yes. Uh, from 2012. A very surreal, you know, deconstruction of a rom-com, some might say. Yes. Uh, which, I think we said it. There you go. <laughs> which led you down the Terrence Nance rabbit hole yes it did and took you to hbo's random yes, acts of did. flyness yes it did and you've enjoyed that yes show. i actually had to i actually texted lynn about it i've, I've, I've watched two episodes now mm-hmm. and i had to stop because with how it usually goes in my household i know this will surprise you lynn since you know me and my wife usually i'm the one who like is just the pop culture churn Mm-hmm. Like I just take in stuff, take in stuff, take in stuff, take in stuff. And 90% of it is stuff that there's no reason for me to say, hey, honey, you should see this. Right. But after I got to the end of the second episode mm-hmm. of Random Acts of Flyness, mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah, we both need to watch this. Really? So now I haven't watched the second episode yet. Yeah, there's there's because, you know, it's really it's almost like a collection of short films. Right. And there is a short film version of basically Peter Pan. Like the whole episode is basically an examination of masculinity, mm-hmm. both toxic masculinity and um, male intimacy. Mm-hmm. And there is a short film that is a musical version of Peter Pan mm-hmm. featuring Dominicans in New York. Mm. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've seen in years. Really? Like, it's gorgeous. Wow. And it's it's amazingly choreographed. And the colors and and the, the, the dancers slash actors. And I just had to stop watching it. I, I'm curious because having watched the first episode. Yeah. There is, of course, I great deal of, of inventiveness to this show but there is and i think it's purposeful purposeful um a bit of a lo-fi low-tech vibe to it yes but the so is that still there in this in season and then episode two you know i think there's lo-fi because you just don't have the resources Mm -hmm. and i think it's lo-fi because that is your aesthetic right and i think he's going for that aesthetic right because this clearly has hbo money right and i think it is it it is that to a certain extent like it looks like an amazingly well-filmed college presentation okay almost i got you but it's it it really is breathtakingly beautiful yeah yeah I mean, the whole episode was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've liked both episodes, mm-hmm. but this episode, and we we talk about this all the time, just men and how we relate to each other, and right, and, and it it it's amazing. Do you think that he is a genuine, unique voice for our time? I hesitate with our time because our time means that he's maybe representative. I think he might be a singular genius, though. Really? Like, like I think he might actually be a genius. Hmm. Wow. So. Well. Just based on, you know, I've only seen the movie in these two episodes. Like, the third episode might be an hour of fart jokes. It could be. But, but it, it really is remarkable. So, I'm, I'm a big fan. Well, that's Terrence Nance's Random Acts of Flyness, which yes. is uh, available on HBO is airing on HBO and is also available for you if you stream HBO Now or HBO Go. Right. You can get it that way as well. Um, yeah, I definitely want to check that out and, and finish getting into that. Speaking of streaming, I understand there is a trailer out for a documentary on 
Quincy Jones is going to be airing on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I saw that the trailer was out. I haven't watched it, but yeah. How can it not be interesting though? Well, you know what? I I was going to say it can maybe it could not be interesting if Quincy is a part of it and lending his voice to it. However, as recent times have shown, Quincy does not have any more F's to give. I know. So actually, if he is a part of it, it might be very, very interesting. You know what? Telling. Even filtered Quincy Jones. Like the man has been in the room. That's true. In so many different events. That's very true. That, you know, I don't even need old crazy man Quincy Jones talking mm-hmm. about, you know, Richard Pryor having sex with Marlon Brando. Right. Now that's super interesting. <laughs> but I don't need it. I can just hear him talking about, you know, conducting the orchestra behind Frank Sinatra. I know. For an hour. I was actually talking to somebody the other day. And then like the Brothers Johnson. I was talking to somebody the other day and um, mentioning like the people that had passed over recently. And we had talked about Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Who had passed last year. And Jerry Lewis being perhaps the end of an era. Yeah, you know, because he's one of the last man standing, right? From those great forties, fifties era, um, but you're just saying that reminded me that maybe the last true totem pole to go down might be Quincy Jones. Oh yeah, because Quincy, though very young, like you say, he was in the room with. A relatively, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra still very much in his powers. Oh yeah, in like the sixties, like yeah. you know, the, like the really the 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 return of Frank Sinatra in the sixties. Oh, yeah. He was in the room for there. He was in the room with a lot of the great jazz artists and and just R and B artists of of the time. He was in the room with the Brothers Johnson. He was, you know. His he he is what made Michael Jackson Michael Jackson, you know. Look, his I, I actually went through a Quincy Jones period like five six years ago. If you love nineties hip hop, yeah, you would avail yourself to listen to his sort of jazz, you know, jazz pop album like that kind of jazz funk that he was doing mm-hmm. all throughout the seventies, just. Just just sample upon sample upon sample comes from it. That's true. That's very true. You know, the one that comes to mind immediately passing me by, that inch, mm-hmm. and, and, that's Quincy Jones. Far side, yeah. So, you know, suffice it to say I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it yeah. as well. Um, let's see. Let's see what else is going on here. Um, we, we're a little pressed for time. Uh, Deontay, uh, Deontay, hey, Deontay, Bettingfield, uh, posted that you know the Academy Award they're postponing that whole new popular Oscar category mm-hmm. that they were going to put out. They're saying they're not they're going to hold off on that. And, and I and I read something today that Black Panther is going hard. Like Black Panther is going for like five, six different awards. Well, I like, can like see the, that. Like the the um studio is pushing real hard. Okay, which is the only reason they had that popular one anyway. Like I'm completely convinced that was some Black Panther stuff. It may have, yeah, it may have been Black Panther. Um, um, it it could have also, to be fair, to be fair, it could have also been a reason to. Uh, award something like Black Panther as well as like an Avengers mm-hmm. movie. So um, I'm trying to think of all right. If you had to think of the Academy Awards that you would put Black Panther up for, up for, I think I think no brainer is putting up Michael B. Jordan for a supporting actor. Yes, I think that's a no brainer. I think another no brainer is putting up uh, the costuming. Yes, absolutely. Special effects? I think you could. I think you could. I you think could. they're probably on the same. I think they're on par with Infinity War. Yeah, what are there, five nominees for special effects? Usually. About yeah, four, oh five. yeah. 
I, I think they're on par with Infinity War. I wouldn't be mad if if one got voted and the other didn't. Yeah. Um. Is there another acting one you you're putting up? Another acting. I have seen worse actors nominated than you know I'm going to keep this entire pregnant pause no 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 because I'm I'm thinking you know what I think I'd throw Letitia right in the ring I wouldn't throw. I wouldn't throw her. I would throw Letitia. I don't think she's in enough. I don't think she's in the film enough. I I thought you were going to go Danae Guerrero. I was out, and that's that's. I was going back and forth. Mm -hmm. I would go Danae Guerrero then. I would go Danae Guerrero because I I don't think Letitia is in there enough. Enough, or you know. I mean, she she pops in her yeah. like, no no no. Moments, I hear you, but I don't That's think her role argument. her role is is significant enough. Yeah. And um, yeah. So I think I think I would go Danae. I might go Lapita. See, see, Lapita. To me, Lapita's role would have to be the lead woman. And again, I, I think I think she could be supporting. You see, but then if you, if she's supporting, then she's going up against the neck. Right, right, right. And then they cancel out each other. Right. No, I hear you. And I would put, I would put up Danae over Lapita. And he, so you said acting. If if there wasn't right, right, right. Acting. And I'm going director and picture. I'm going director and picture. I would go director. I would go director. I might go. I, I would go picture. Come on, man. Titanic one. Shakespeare in Love one. Yeah. 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 Black Panther is better than half of the movies that won over the past 20 years. Yeah. yeah. One full half. Yeah. I see that. I can see it. I can see it being nominated for Best Picture. I don't know if I would vote it Best Best Picture. Like, I don't think, I don't know if it would get my vote, overall vote. I'd have to see what else is nominated. Like, right now, we're just doing nominations. Well, is it your favorite movie of the year? <sighs> my favorite movie of last year you see again it's we talked about this last year too it's tough because just for me like logistically to get to the movies Mm -hmm. yes i've really only seen like the genre things yeah so you know i don't even remember what was out that would have been academy awards yeah so like i need to see what gets nominated and then i'll like oh right i forgot that that was but um i think you could do screenplay yeah, you know, again, I'd have to see what else uh, is is being nominated. Okay, but but certainly, considering what has been nominated for these categories, right, in the past, right, I don't, I, Black Panther is just as good. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, oh, I was about to say, when did Get Out come out? But that was last year. That was last year. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's crazy. It's crazy. Speaking of movies, before we get into our film. Okay. Um, as some who may know, if you follow me on uh, social media, my grandson is in town. Yes. I've been spending a lot of time with my grandson. Yes. Uh, we've been spending time like running around outside and, you know, trying to get him to go to sleep. And because <laughs> um, uh, he's only two years old. I mean, it's but so much you could do with a two year old. Hey, man, you know, I know. <laughs> Right. So, um, but, but that also means that I've watched a lot of PJ Masks. Okay. A lot of, watched a lot of Backyarding. Yes. Those are the, those are the shows that he watched. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my son's jam too. Now the shows that I've put on in front of him. Right. That he more or less have not paid attention. Right. But I've sat and watched. Yes. I've watched because I'll put those shows on, but then every once in a while I'll just throw a, a kid's movie that you know now. Oh, my excuse to watch it now, right? Is here, so I watch it with him. So I watched um, one movie was a Netflix. I think it was a, a Netflix original. It's called Next Gen, which is it, it basically feels like um, what was that movie? Big Hero Six. Yeah, yeah. 
it feels like a kind of like a, a Big Hero Six knockoff a little bit. Okay, it's changed slightly. I think it's the um, it's computer animated. I think it's from overseas, um, but you know it's dubbed English and, and it it wasn't bad movie. It okay. wasn't bad. I I enjoyed it. All right, right. Then, but I watched two films that have been out in the theaters that I really really enjoyed. Okay, one was Peter Rabbit. Do you remember oh, when Peter yeah. Rabbit came out just oh, a little bit ago? It. I actually enjoyed it. It's a, okay. It's, I didn't know. Like, I knew the books by Beatrix Potter. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, but I didn't know that the movie was going to be English as well. Okay. So it was English. So it had definitely that that British humor. Right, sense, right. Even though I was going to ask, is, is Peter still a dick? Oh, yes. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, yeah. Big time. And they lean in on that. Yeah, I remember even as a kid, I was like, wow, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, yeah. He he, he was a dick. And he was battling a dick. Okay. Which is what made it endearing. Right, right. Because it was just... It was just Battle of the know, dicks. Exactly. Just, you know, just a sword fight all over the place. <laughs> but it was fun. It, but, it, but it was still... It was still it was still heartfelt. Okay. It was still it was it was still uh well written. Okay. Written. It was a uh, great great anim- animation, even though it's like, you know, it was, it was it was the blending of computer animation and, and live action. But it was really it was really cool. I really truly surprisingly sat there and enjoyed the heck out of that film. Okay. All right. I really did. And then I watched um, Lethal Weapon Two. No, the magic's back. Did not watch that. <laughs> almost okay, almost. But little almost. man was a right, right, right. It was shortly. He hadn't seen Lethal Weapon One. And you so you know you have to set the foundation. Yeah, got to got to raise him right. Right, right, right. I watched Coco. Oh, now I've heard really good things about Coco. Let me tell you, Vince. Coco is amazing. Okay. I mean, it's Pixar, so you know the animation is just going to be... Okay. Right, right. Also, because it's Pixar, you know that the storytelling is going to be smart. Right. And considering that this is a film that is about a boy that travels more or less into the world of the dead. Yes. And is walking with dead people yes throughout this film to make that palatable for children i thought they did a phenomenal job okay and i bawled like a baby oh i dude i am not gonna lie i've heard people like you know tell me that coco is all this and they, they walk up to me and they're like remember me and I'm like yeah you know I'd heard the song and everything like that dude this movie will wreck you now see I was about to say I was going to have it for movie night in House Williams but no you should okay you should because it's funny it's very funny it's not too musical okay I can't have people crying at 930 on Friday but it's a sweet cry okay it's a sweet cry you know what i mean on a scale of one to up like on a scale of one to the first 10 minutes of up it's on that level yes for me it's it's upwards yeah it's 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 past it oh but but it's good but it's good it's good because up the first 10 minutes yes it wrecks you but it wrecks you because it is sad yes it is sad i mean like you know like yo i need to pause this movie yes. and come back right you know what i mean this it wrecks you because while it is sad it is also uplifting and you're feeling for the moment and you and you and you don't regret the tears. You 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 welcome them. Right. You welcome where those because you're welcoming where the story and the the scene is taking you to personally. Okay. It really is a fantastic film. I enjoyed the hell out of that movie, man. All right, on the list. Maybe I'll do a double bill. Yeah. Of Coco and Lethal Weapon 2. 
I don't know if if Lethal the magic's Weapon. back. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Vince. I don't think that's a good call. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Okay. 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 All right, Coco. Very nice. <laughs> Let's pause for the cause and then get into our review of the Mark of the Hawk. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jacquees Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. A 1957 film directed by Michael Audley and from a script by Lloyd Young follows the man called Obum, played by Sidney Poitier, who struggles with the increasingly hostile forces facing each other in his unnamed colonial African country. The natives want their land and lives back from the British colonists. Odom Obum's motives are questioned by his own people, in particular his brother Kanda. With the help of his wife Renee, played by Eartha Kitt, and missionary Bruce Craig, will he be able to get things under control before the country self-destructs? 1957's Mark of the Hawk, also called The Accused, was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn what do you have to say about Sidney Poitier, Eartha Kitt, and the mark of the hawk? I'd like to apologize <laughs> to all the missionaries <laughs> that follow us on the show <laughs> and like to sit and watch the films along with us <laughs> as we gather together to review films such as The Mark of the Hawk. 
No, seriously. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> I pull events. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> you know, in my notes, <laughs> like my notes, I have when Wretched of the Earth was published, when Things Fall Apart was published. I have what Patrice Lumumba was doing in the Congo, uh, Kwame Nkrumah. I have a whole bit here about Johnny Westmuller in Tarzan movies. I was about to do the Vinciest of Vince shit when it was my turn. Oh, yeah. You call me out if you want. I'm ready. I'm ready. We're going to talk about Market of Hawk and all of the various and sundry things going on around this film. Yeah. But this is your movie. I know. I know. I know. First of all, it's a Sydney Poitier movie. I, I, you would think that like the entire filmography of Sydney Poitier should be streaming somewhere. But no. Mm. It's not. Mm. It's not. Um... Like I even forget how I got to see. I think I had to join some kind of like film club to see this movie. Um, look, look. Um, for I will say this. I will. I'll get the good out of the way. For it to be 1957, and for there to be a film, mostly an independent film even though it was distributed by Universal. I mean, mm-hmm. It was put up you know it was, it was made on the cheap for, for the most part. Mm-hmm. For there to be a film that even addresses mm. in some way the um, the, the, the the colonization of Africa by England and the and speak to the mindset or supposedly speak to the mindset of those who were colonized at that time is something that I would have, if you would ask me that had they ever made a movie like that in the fifties, I'd have said, hell no. Like maybe in the sixties, you know, and maybe it was 57 it's close to the 60, you know, people get tired of stuff. I don't know, but I would have never thought that they would have done that. Um, I would have never thought that they would have something like that would have would have happened. Um, so there was a, a a a part of that that part of the film, or at least that idea of the film, you know, was like interesting. I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have expected that, especially not when the movie opens up and you 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 have to check twice because I'm thinking I'm looking like at some old like school film strip, you know, some little dude, little uh, uh, black boy running around hunting and, and catching hawks and all this other crazy stuff. I'm like, I don't know. What am I watching here? I'm thinking I'm watching like a nature film. Um, so that, that, that is the one good thing I have to say. Okay. About the mark of the hawk that out of the way, this is yet again more propaganda mm. more um you know let's you know uh um you know to the victors go the the writing of the of the story right of what happened when the the british go into Africa and, you know, call themselves bringing civilization Mm -hmm. to these, um, to these countries, to these people who, you know, according to them, were just living like savages, but according to, to everyone else, they were just living there. Right. Doing their thing. Um, but I mean that that gets into the politics of it. I want to stay strictly on the film, and the merits of the film is that the I don't the movie is just it, it comes off as, as as propaganda. It comes off as very slanted. 
Um, it tr- it calls itself trying to to show the black people's point of view um, by having you know there being a militant set of these of the Africans and a more learned set of the Africans being uh, depicted by Sidney Poitier and um, versus his brother uh, <clears throat> who's leaving like leading like a more militant revolt against the British. Um, but ultimately it's the British way of life, which is supposed to, and, and not even so much that, but you know, uh, Christianity, Mm-hmm. which is supposed to be the saving grace for all these people. Um, and not only is it, and not only, and, and if you think that it's, you know, maybe it's just me being in my own head, my own black head as calling it propaganda. No, it, it's not because there is a, like Vince uh, told me in a text and almost separate independent film inside the movie set in China where basically the British tried to do the same thing to the Chinese. Right. But however, the Chinese said, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. The Chinese said, get the hell out of here. Yeah. They said, no, no, take your cross and go. Right. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the, the Africans, you know, couldn't for whatever reason um but yeah so though it's it's nothing but propaganda nothing but it's nothing but just their way of life being depicted and and being put up on a pedestal in this movie the worst part about that though strictly talking about this film as a film in itself is that it's boring yeah. Because with all of that, with the whole talk of of a revolt and revolution and, you know, supposed tensions are high, it's just – and, and there's this mark of the hawk and, you know, all the white colonizers and they actually take colonizers in there. You can't say colonizers any, anymore now. <laughs> I know. In, in post-Black Panther. I know. You can't say colonizers anymore and just, you know, you just chuckle. Um. But all of the, the all of the colonizers are now have dead hawks hanging on their on their stoops, you know, as a sign of what is to come, you know. So there's impending doom and this tension is building up and everything like that. Um, that's what you're being told in this movie because it's a very talky film. Yes, and because you're being told that, you know, you're supposed to feel it. But you don't feel it because there is no type of direction or action that is making you feel it. You know, the the it, like I said, it's made on a cheap. So a lot of the films are basically, you know, pop a camera in one place and then let's just go mm-hmm. from the scene. There's no kind of like close ups over shoulders and anything like that. No changing of perspectives in any way that helps with storytelling and helps build the momentum and uh, infuse a tone or a mood on a scene or the film. There's none of that in this film. This film is very by the numbers. We got to make a film. Let's cut, put the camera here, boom, roll them up, cut, let's go next. And that's it. And because of that, it is just dead boring. Everybody to me, and I read some reviews in the New York Times and uh, Leonard Maltin. To me, everybody, and they seem to find this film to be an intelligent piece of work. Right. uh, I don't know what they're looking at. I find it to be very boring, very talky. Everybody looks like they're they're sleepwalking through the through the movie. Sidney Poitier starts the movie with an accent. By the next scene, he said, well, I've had enough of that. And he just, just like, he's just Sidney Poitier after that. Eartha Kitt is, I want to say that she's, you know, they don't know what to do with her because mm. they don't really do anything mm-hmm. with her. And and both of those statements are true. However, what she is given to do, she doesn't do anything with. Mm-hmm. So I can't even be mad at them for that. She sings a song at the end. 
I don't know why. It <laughs> makes no sense. It comes out of nowhere. There's no other song in the movie. There's no song that, like, there's no Mark of the Hawk theme song. No. But she sings a total different song at the end about her man, Sidney Poitier. Why? Did we just stop stepping to West Side Story? I don't know what happened. It made no sense. I feel like someone whispered to the director towards the end of the filming, you know Eartha Kid can sing. And he said, what? And we got five minutes. <laughs> and then they were short five they minutes. They just gave her a song. <laughs> they just gave her a song. You know, just prop the tree. I thought maybe she was having a stroke. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is an interesting choice. To give her a stroke? Like I did a little info. I was like, wow, it's like three minutes left. Are they going to kill her? But no, she was just singing a song. Just singing a song. And that was it. Also, in their defense, the blacks do tend to break out in song periodically. But not in this film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not in this film. They don't. (laughs) Go. Go. I, I, I all jokes aside, I do think it's worth reiterating what you just said because I thought the same thing when I saw 1957 and on the poster, the poster actually says against Voodoo Fury, yeah. the flame of faith. Like, like I joked at the beginning about you know Johnny Westmore and on. I was trying to situate this, and and it was appropriate we started this episode talking about Black Panther because if you remember. When we talked about Black Panther, we we mentioned the the tradition of of the depiction of Africa mm-hmm. in film. Yes, and this is actually only our second depiction. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's 1957, and I think you're absolutely right. I think all jokes aside, the film should be applauded for what is, in a lot of ways, a pretty measured depiction of africa of africa and Africa, and of a country at this moment in history like i talked about you you know uh, patrice lumumba in the congo and kwame nkrumah in ghana and you know nelson mandela in south africa and suffice it to say at this moment all three of these men are are doing things Mm -hmm. but it's early enough in their struggle that as Americans, your average American doesn't know anything doesn't about know it. anything about it. Things fall apart, which you know, if you took a freshman English class, like any like if you know anything about post colonial Africa and what was going on at the moment, like all of us read Chiwa Chibe's Things Fall Apart. Mm-hmm. That doesn't come out till nineteen sixty one. Wait, is that is that no no no. Things fall apart is nineteen fifty eight. Wretched of the Earth by Franz Fanon is 1961. So these are the two texts that people kind of talk about post-colonial Africa. And the point is, none of them are out. Mm-hmm. Or if they are out, they're just out. At the same time, 1958, Johnny Westmuller is now 10 years into, into Tarzan. No, he's 10 years into his second Africa thing. What's that? Jungle Jim. Oh, I remember about that's that. right. He did about his that. last Tarzan movie was forty eight. I was like you, but then they said, "Oh no!" After forty eight, he spent another ten years making Jungle Jim movies. Really, right? So when you think about the popular depiction of Africa, it's it's the drums and and the natives and and loincloths. So just at that, you know, I give credit where credit is due. But like you said, that's 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 end. where it ends. <laughs> that's that's the end. It is. I don't have anything to add about the politics of it and 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 this sort of appeal to Christianity after the fact, like people always want to pray and be peaceful after you've killed and raped Exa- everybody. And exactly. Now everybody won't pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is. It's boring. It is it, it it is it's it's like it was it's like the entire film, not just the cast, mm-hmm. but the director, the cameraman, the, the cinematographer, everyone took a Benadryl. <laughs> everyone is just in a fog. Yeah. Yeah. Sidney Portier 
is not allowed to be Sidney Poitier. If this was the only thing you ever saw Sidney Poitier in, you might say, hey, that young man cuts a nice form right. on film. Right. Eartha Kitt, as you said, I think Eartha Kitt has made, does she have six lines? Maybe. Well, not if you uh, don't include the song. Not if you don't include the song. She's in maybe four scenes. Yeah. You know, she has one scene by herself in the hospital. Structurally, <laughs> we just said it. It's, 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 you know, the film is, is what, an hour and a half? Yeah. They spend a solid 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. on this weird flashback. Yeah. In China. Yeah. Yeah, beefing up the the priest character in this movie. Right, right. And talking about his backstory. His backstory, and, and he adopts a Chinese oh, yes. boy. Yeah, no, but, and, yes, in, and in case then, you didn't realize he was the white savior of the movie. Exactly. Let's tell you about how when he was in uh, China, he adopted this this young boy who lost his parents right right you know as his own and raised and he's literally own. a savior figure because he dies exactly he dies and and sydney portier's character sees the error of his ways mm-hmm. and decides to follow this path of peace but it's it's a wasted opportunity i will also say some of it was filmed on location very little of it, though. But the parts that the, were from the location in, in Nigeria, in Nigeria, it it's it's it was interesting to see. It was interesting. Nineteen fifties Nigeria. Yes. yes. And I've never seen nineteen fifties Nigeria Me neither, before. Right? Yeah. So for those, you know, as you said, it's it's not a lot. Right. Maybe ten minutes. Yeah, but but you're right. Of what it is, it is significant that you are seeing that it's 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 a city. It's not you know. It's a city, and it's different from. A soundstage, exactly, or something that was filmed in New York. Mm-hmm. When, when you think about films from the 1950s, and they have a distinctive look, mm-hmm. it's because it's it's either soundstage or 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 you know New York, right? Sometimes Precious few locations, you know, sometimes Los Angeles. So you did get the sense, oh, this is actually a different place, right? That's true, but it's. It's not a good movie. No, it's not. It's not a good movie. And the biggest crime, again, is that it's dull. It is dull. It's just just dull. So I will give it, I think I want to give it credit for this, but you, and I couldn't find information about this. Okay. Uh, 1957, you know, um, I think, I, I don't remember whether or not I've ever seen a movie from that era that had subtitles. So this film, and I think I want to think I did, but I don't know. Um, but this film, you do see people speaking in different languages to one another. Right. Specifically a lot of Africans right, speaking right. to one another. And you don't have any subtitles. No. And they're speaking whole passages. Which seemingly are suppo- is supposed to get across some sense of information. Now, the there's enough of the action, their body actions, that tells you you get an idea of what they're saying. But I, there's a part of me that wants to kind of give them credit to that they had everyone like there were, were times when people were speaking their natural their natural language, right. you know, to one another, you know. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know. Was, even though there was also a part of me that was wondering, are they really speaking African? Right. Like, right. Did, did, did like Eartha Kitt and, and Sidney Poitier really learn like a whole African phrase, those phrases they're saying? Right. Or is it just some like, you know, made up Tarzan stuff? Well, again, through modern eyes, the politics are problematic to say the least. But 1957 you know, again, Johnny Westmuller is now into his second decade yeah. of of me Tarzan and, and people beating on their chest and, and jungle drums and and animals in the jungle. And you're right, I think the film makes a case 
mm-hmm. for Obum and for his countrymen to say, we want our country back. And then, you know, as you said, certainly there's the party line of, oh, we brought you paved roads and, and schools, and educations and, and the children used to die from polio and this, that, and the other. And before we came, you're the, the warring tribes treated you worse than we did. Mm-hmm. But one of the few lines that sticks out, Sidney Poitier's character says, it's one thing to live like we are free. And it is another thing to be free. Exactly. And it was like, Oh Yeah. All right, Mark of the Hawk. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> However, that is totally, that's how he feels. Right. Yet, and that's how he feels, and he was going about it the right way. Right. Like, he was like he was definitely staging protests and, and right. workers' strikes and, and things of that nature. He wa- didn't want to turn to violence. Right. But he is, the movie leads him at the end to believe that not only was violence the wrong method, but that he was wrong. Right. Right. And so that's where, that's where the disconnect is. You feel for him. Like, like you said, you feel for him making that statement and it, and it hits you. It especially hits you coming from a 1957s movie, you know, but it only resonates with you. If that is the ending message. Right. And it's not. Right. The ending message is the Lord will save us. Right. Right. And that's like, no. Right. Right. No, at the end, you know, yes, this man, this, this, um, priest is, is laying dead in Sidney Poitier's arms because of this, this fight that happens at the end that you can't even tell because it's so dark so you don't even know it was interesting that the white colonial forces killed the priest well that's what I'm about to say Yeah, the white colonial forces killed him however when the police come they tell the white colonials yeah y'all better turn yourself in in the morning yes I'm like wow Really? Well, you know, it's 1957. It's not like in 2018 somebody could go into somebody's apartment, shoot them dead in their own apartment, and then not turn themselves in for 48 hours. See, see, again, that's what I'm saying. I'm it's, so glad that times have changed. Of course, of course. It's it's um, that's where the disconnect. Like I said, with with Sidney Poitier's stance, and then where this movie lands just hit me, and and it would have bothered me. If I was caring, but I wasn't caring, right? Because the movie was just right. You just very dull. You're just waiting for it. To, not even waiting for it to go off. Just waiting for something. Waiting for something to, to happen. happen. Yeah, you know. And and we've talked about this before. With wait a minute, you're waiting for something to happen, and then Eartha Kitt sings. <laughs> Is this what I was waiting for? Eartha Kitt's character starts having a stroke. <laughs> And she's singing a song. This man of mine. And she's singing about this this man of mine. I mean, it's like... It's, it's like the funny thing is, I actually went back a little bit. Because I didn't... When I streamed it, like, I went back. Because I thought maybe because it was an old film, I, like, a frame had dropped out or something. Oh, right. I was like, why is she singing? That leads into that. Right. 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 Because it's not like Ed any- Sullivan was going to come out. And now a song. <laughs> From Eartha Kitt. But it happens just like that. Right, because she just starts singing. She just starts singing. Right. And like you're, at one moment, you're like with a bunch of white colonizers, and the next thing, Eartha Kitt's leaning on a tree. Right. Singing <laughs> a song. <laughs> Which, like you said, was about nothing that had to do with the movie. But but we, we talked about these films with these black actors, and sometimes the film doesn't know what to do with them. And and you do mm-hmm. get the sense, again, with Sidney Poitier, that he's almost stifled. But everyone in the film is like that. Yeah. Like, no one in the film is actually doing anything. Doing anything. No, so, they're not. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough film. It's not even a tough film. It's not a tough film. It's just... It's almost confusing. It's just a tough film to find. Right, right. <laughs> that's all. That's all. I mean, I saw it on Amazon. 
Yeah, you saw it on Amazon, but you had didn't you have to join something? Just Prime. Was it streaming on Prime? Yeah. Then what did I have to join? The you, oh no, I'm thinking of oversimplification. You know, you told me. To... Uh, no, I'm thinking of oversimplification. I'm thinking of oversimplification. Now, you're not having a stroke. Are you not about to start singing? Are this you? man <laughs> of mine. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. For the mission, I always forget that Sidney Portier had like a ten-year career before he like the sixties Sydney, right? Sixties Sydney, but like he had a fifties career. No, that's what I'm saying. Before the sixties, before the sixties, and he became Sydney Portier. Right. He, and yeah, yeah, and you know, you could argue maybe like squint your eyes a little bit and say this is a useful example. Of how even the best actor can be wasted mm-hmm. if they're in the wrong project. Mm-hmm. And for Sidney Portier, like, like if you look at his filmography, like he made like 10 films before he became Sidney Portier. Yeah. And then like once it clicked, then he, you know, it was like boom, 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 boom. And this is a great example of that. Yeah, it is. I also think that, uh, and it's funny, today with my grandson, I was trying to introduce him to a little a little bit of my history. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, my daughter's history of animation. And I put on The Emperor's New Groove. Okay. Um, he didn't watch it. Uh, but, um, but I enjoyed watching it again. Right. And, and I enjoy, and I put it on primarily because I saw it. I was like, oh, great. I can listen to Eartha Kitt. Yes. Yzma in that. And I enjoyed it all over again with her and Patrick Warburton going back and forth in that film. Watching this film um, and thinking about her in Anna LaCosta Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. You know, I hate to say it, but I think that I... I believe I may have already seen the best of Eartha Kitt in Emperor's New Groove. I, I, I don't. I think that's, Boomerang. Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. And, and and but you would you would think that it would be you know you know I I, I don't think the, I think I I think the I think the the legend of Eartha Kitt to me in my heart has taken a little bit of a hit from these past couple of movies. I think that Eartha Kitt in these movies reflects badly on the movies. I think because Eartha Kitt was a black woman, Eartha Kitt couldn't make a movie. She couldn't have a career like Ava Gardner. Fair. Fair enough. You yeah. know? All right. So because of that, she's just sort of stuck mm. in these things. And the other side of it is I don't know how much because she didn't have the opportunities she was able to really develop that talent as an actress. That end. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. That's fair. And certainly Mark of the Hawk didn't help. It did not. Did not at all. Okay, though. So, so I would (laughs) you're you're not would you, would you recommend Mark of the Hawk? Uh, no, no, I would not recommend the Mark of the Hawk. Um, it's a black movie. It is a black it was movie. Decidedly a black film. Yes. I will say that. However, it is not one that you need to to uh, visit. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Not, not at all. You're missing nothing. You're missing nothing. Yeah, at all. Yeah, I think there's a reason that this film has has vanished. Yeah. And you know it's difficult to find information on it and and I think there's a reason. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't recommend it either. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week on the Michelle Mission, uh we invite you to like and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, 
and Instagram at Michelle Mission. Join the Facebook group Michelle Mission where we have a whole lot of fun. And if you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, email us at Michelle Mission at gmail.com. You can also check out our show. It's uh, it's available as a radio show. That's right. We do radio too, baby bubbles. Mm-hmm. Yup. Our show is available on Saturdays at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM in Philly, Philadelphia and Camden. Philly Cam, People Power Media, right here in the city of brotherly love. And you can spend your Monday mornings with Michelle 9 a.m. on WKDU. FM 91.7 The Voice of Drexel University Also our show is available as a podcast on MichelleMission.com iTunes SoundCloud Stitcher Radio Google Play and as a proud member of the Podglomerate family of curated podcasts just for you um. Oh, and if you're a Star Trek fan, we invite you to go to iTunes, go to SoundCloud, or hey, just go to SpockAdjacent.com. That's Ooh. right. SpockAdjacent.com. We're back. Vincent and Len are back talking about all things Spock adjacent. Yes. Star Trek adjacent. Uh, we will be getting into the reviews of Star Trek Discovery when that returns in, I believe, early 2019. I yeah, think this one is yeah I don't think it's got a de- definitive a st- date yet. Right. But, mm-hmm. but up until then, um, Spock Adjacent is back and Vince and I will be returning at once a month up until then with a very special Spock Adjacent episode for you. But if you go there right now... All of our previous Spock adjacents, where we reviewed the first season of Star Trek Discovery, are available there for your download and streaming pleasure, as well as about three or four uh, Star Trek-ish conversations that Vince and I have had over the years. Hey, it's, it's, is a Truck Turner review on Spock adjacent? No, I didn't put the Truck Turner. I feel like, you, throw Truck Turner on there. I should throw Truck Turner on there? Because it's in Shell Nichols. So anything Spock Spock adjacent. I mean, we'll talk about this in more. You know, you know, one of the things I want to talk about on one of our special episodes. Remember the episode of T.J. Hooker that Leonard Nimoy guest starred on. I never watched T.J. Hooker. Well, we're gonna watch this episode. <laughs> Why would anybody watch T.J. Hooker? Because it's Spock adjacent. Because it's Spock adjacent. William Shatner. All right. So that's so go to SpockAdjacent.com. Uh, and you can like Spock adjacent on, on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. It's got its own Twitter handle, Spock adjacent. Um, we're doing stuff. We, we, you've asked for it. You've got it. <laughs> that's right. Now, follow All of our it. free time. Y- yes. <laughs> we're men of leisure. <laughs> so follow us. Make it worth our while, please. Yes. Because we're going to make it worth your while. Yes. We promise. All right, Vince. Uh, what are we going to be watching next week? Well, I can't completely follow in your footsteps. What do you mean? And choose a film made in the 50s. Well, okay. But I am going to try and, and maybe, you know, as long as you stick in the 50s, you maybe, I mean, you want to do this like all through September or? Yeah, I've only got one more. Oh, okay. Well, I will. I will try and choose a film set in the 50s hmm. so next week a film by bill duke okay 1991 and i was looking at it and it has a pretty stellar cast that i forgot all about robin gibbons oh force whitaker oh my god danny glover gregory hines Mm. Based on a novel by Chester Himes. Wow, I never knew that. A Rage in Harlem. I never knew it was based on an yeah. uh, actual novel. 1991's A Rage in Harlem. Oh, wow. Wow, I haven't seen that movie in ever, man. Me either. I haven't seen that movie in And ever. I forgot that blockbuster cast, and I forgot Bill Duke directed it. So now I'm curious for why. It sort of vanished. Robin Givens is in there. Who's the? There's another uh, woman in there. Um, who's the other? Who's the, who's the other 
woman in the, in that film because I remember Robin Robin Givens and you know you know I love myself some Robin Givens. Uh, but there was some. I, it's one of think there was someone else. I mean, Helen Martin. You you don't mean old ass Helen Martin, do you? No, no. Mm. There, there was another. Wasn't there another like younger actress in there? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Tyler Collins. No, no. It was a name. Maybe, maybe I'm misremembering. It's like I said. It's been ever. Oh, it is. Yeah. I think you're you're probably thinking about uh, Tyler Collins. Apparently she was a singer, and she's the only other young woman in it. I don't think that's all I was thinking of. Okay. Well. I can think about her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to watch it next week. Lisa Tyler Collins. Yeah. I'll sit there and think about her for a minute. Mm, Give me my iPad. Hey, look at that album cover. (laughs) Good on that album cover right there. Look up some Tyler Collins. So yeah, yeah, Rage in Harlem. Rage in Harlem. All right, that'll be fun. That's young Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's real young. Yeah. All yeah. right. That'll All be right. next week, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Michelle Mission. Um. Hey. Oh, real quick, real quick. Shout out to Simone Missick's eyebrows. I just finished watching Iron Fist. You are so weird with this eyebrow thing. I've got a thing. Well, now we're all uncomfortable. Why? The Michelle Missionaries told me to tell you we're all uncomfortable. Why? Because of eyebrows? Yes. Look, if you watch Iron Fist, I can't remember exactly which episode, so just wait for it. It'll hit you. There's an episode of season two uh, Iron Fist that opens up on a close-up of Simone Missick's face. Okay. As she's talking to the camera. All right. And she's, and this is Spock adjacent. She's doing that thing where her one eyebrow just pops every once in a while when she's like punctuating something that she says. Go to your happy place, missionaries. That's what I do. Well, I was in my happy place oh, watching her eyebrow. I, I, I just, I, I, I gotta think. You know, yes. it, it, I, what? I'm not. It, it's, I, look, hey, I'm just. Hey, I'm just waiting to say my part. I'm just waiting to say what to you when it's time to meet again. I'm just waiting for my part. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm hey, I'm just sitting over here waiting. It was cool. Yes. It was really cool. I haven't started yet. You haven't started it? It's pretty, yeah, you know. We'll have to talk about it when you finish. <laughs> Iron Fist Season 2, colon. No, seriously, we're better this year. <laughs> Iron Fist Season 2, colon. Come on! <laughs> you should see my Batman whiteboard. I just made a joke about Iron Fist. I just put it up there. It's kind of fun. I think it's fun. Anyway, let's get out of here. Um, he's Vince. I'm Len. And party, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.